0: On this episode of AV Week, Sennheiser gets rid of their consumer business. Extron deploys an NAV, AV over IP system, and taking a look at IMCCA at Cedia Expo. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This.
1: This. This is AV AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: this is av week episode 508 recorded friday may 14th 2021 handle the truth
2: support for av nation is brought to you by atlas ied innovative audio solutions for every business environment and by draper
0: this is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, my favorite Bronx resident. Her name is Charmaine Torella. I can't say it correctly, but she works for Wearex. Welcome, ma'am.
2: Hello, sir.
0: Tell people how to say your last name correctly. Charmaine Borea. There
2: but we go. Again, there. you could say Torella. It's
0: yeah, fun. but I can't say it. I, I've never been able to roll my R's. Just, just <laughs> pointing that out there. Big dumb Midwestern American. All um, right, also with us is Mariela Palat. Mariela is from Bridges uh, System Integration. Welcome, ma'am.
3: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely, thank you. Uh, she is down by Virginia Virginia Way. And uh, also with us is uh, Titobi is a co-worker of mine now. Uh, he works in Grand Rapids. Uh, up in Michigan, uh, Toby uh, Tungle from CTI. Welcome, sir.
1: Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Absolutely,
0: thank you so much. Um, really quickly, a um, couple things happening this week. Uh, we're going to put all of the all of the stories that we sent these fine folks um, on the on the list, which means that there's like four or five stories. But one that kind of dropped yesterday that I want to bring up here, and I kind of threw a, a curveball at these folks, and so I apologize in advance to them, not to you, because this is the first time you're hearing this. Um, CD Expo actually announced this week that they are welcoming IMCCA, and IMCCA real quickly stands for the Interactive Multimedia and Collaborative uh, Communications Alliance. If you're not familiar with IMCCA, here is the Cliff Notes version, and I'm going to get an email from David Danto screaming at me for doing this wrong, but here it is. IMCCA is a group that really, really focused on unified communications and collaboration, the UCC space. They've done a number of events at Infocom. They've done a number of standalone events. Matter of fact, one of the last things that I did pre-COVID uh, was with the IMCCA and David uh, in New York. And we had a, a meeting at, um, at, at Microsoft's headquarters. A lot of really good, you know, it was a two or three day uh, collaborative uh, experience. Uh, our buddy, Chris Netto, we did a, a live um, AV in the AM, actually from Barracks, um Charmaine. So that was one of the last things that we did uh, in, in that space. IMCCA is really, really concentrated on the, the the UC platforms. Makes a lot of sense, at least to me, the fact that they're going to Cedia. But it's very interesting. Cedia, again, is a residential show. They are welcoming in a group that is focused on UC and primarily has done so in the, in the, in the pro space. Charmaine, we'll start with you on this. Cedia happens... Uh, the first week of September over in Indianapolis. Um, interesting to me, but what do you think, what's your take on the fact that that CDIA is bringing in a group uh, that is so focused on UC and again has pre- predominantly been in the pro space?
2: I think that's a good move on Cedia's part, right? Because since we've been going through this pandemic, what has happened is a lot of uh, knowledge workers pretty much went to work from home, wherever that home may be. Uh, for some executive level managers and mid managers, they wanted to get the same look and feel of collaboration in their residential space. The difficulty, as we all know, commercial and residential integrating in those two spaces—it's—it's it's a night and day. It's, you know, it's not exact. So a lot of these people are now integrating to the home, but they want to still tie into the commercial space that they go in every now and again remotely. So. The UC part of where people are using Teams and Zooms to tie into these different rooms, whether it's residential or commercial is really key. And it's smart that Cedia is picking up on this and and probably because their business experienced a great uptick during this pandemic because of it. And they're like, okay, you know what, they can do both. And that's what's happening. A lot of workers are saying, oh yeah, I want the same. I want it to be like a mirror image of what I experienced in the office exactly close to it in my house. And I want it all to tie together with the UC uh, platforms that we're using, where I can do it from either or. So it's good that they picked up on that. I think it's a smart move to start doing that. And for the benefit of IMCCA, which is not many people are familiar with it's still in AV industry, it's another way to give them better exposure, which is what they need. IMCCA really needs a lot more exposure.
0: Absolutely. Shelby, take a look at this from, from a couple different sides. One of the the debates, I guess, last year was who's going to own the work-from-home space. Um, I, I, I was actually just on a, on a, a show with uh, David Maldo and, and our buddy Kelly Perkins, uh, and I, I I made the comment, I, I don't think that what we're living now is our new normal. I don't, and, and Mr. Danto and I will disagree on that. I, I don't think that we're going to know what our new normal is for about two years. Yes, certainly, hybrid working will will be a part of that. I don't buy into the the fact that it's going to be 60% of of the workforce or 70% of the workforce because there are many people who just like to be in person. They want to be in person. They even need to be in person. So all of that, there still will be a segment of folks who will want to work from home, who will work from home, who need a professional system in their house. So a move like this, does this kind kind of indicate that Cedia... Uh, the organization and CD Expo, who again n- is not owned by CD, it's owned by Emerald, um, is looking at this as almost like a, a, an area of competition with the commercial space.
1: Well, that, that's that's actually pretty interesting. So I do agree that they're looking at it as a competition purely from the fact that while we all migrated from the office to the home office to figure out how to do our daily jobs, and some of us, to your point did a really good job in that transition and others didn't. They tried to find their way, figure out what technology worked for them, what didn't work for them. Uh, you know, 18 months is kind of where I'm hoping we figure out what that new normal is. But I think CD is really looking to tap into what we're doing in the commercial market, bringing that home and then supporting, you know, the technology that people need to have in their homes for a more professional setting. You know, when my kids went virtual last year, it was, you know, every other platform you could think of cameras didn't work. Audio was terrible. And, you know, us as AV integrators, we want to have that really good experience, that really good quality, whether we're at home sitting in a Starbucks on a plane or at the office. So I think what really that they're looking to do is really expand that that footprint, expand that that knowledge base get a little more understanding of what we're doing in the commercial market and try to bring some of that stuff and those standards and processes and procedures back into that home office environment.
0: All right, Mariella, the last word on this one. Is this something where we're going to have to worry about the the, the residential folks and not necessarily the residential folks, right? Because there, there are there are there are people inside Cedia who will argue with me all day long that residential is not a large portion of their membership. I will consistently tell them that they're wrong (laughs) because the the people that I know, um, I have two or three uh, dear friends here in St. Louis that are, that are residential dealers primarily, right? They're members of Cedia. Actually, both of them have been on the Cedia board. They both do like commercial. They both do, you know, uh, restaurants. They both do hospitality. Is this something that, that we're going to have to, as a, as a commercial space, start competing with you know those folks who are in that that in-between zone of residential and like commercial where they see this as you know what if i can get a you know a a a dealership with a a commercial um product and i don't want to pick on anybody here because there are we all know right if if you're working with in commercial you know switching or commercial video processing there's one group of of folks you're going to pick on you're going to buy from And another. But is this something where we see this as really a competition? And if so, what can commercial dealers do? And maybe what should Infocom do, or Avixa do, as a response to this?
3: So I'm not sure my answer is going to be exactly the one that you want to hear. But I do think that moving home and working from home has led to a, a big transition. And for me, um, one of the biggest things that I noticed was I video call with my grandmother a lot more than I did before. And for her, communicating with a lot of different members in our family, she almost wants a Zoom room in her house. One display with a control panel, easy to use, that she can use to connect with family members here in Peru, everywhere. And um, my mother recently started working on an assisted living project, which is just one home it houses less than 10 people, and they also really want that Zoom Room feel. I think the technology in the home is adapting so quickly. Um, we have a smart home with Alexa products everywhere. We're using technology in a lot more facets than we did in the past, that it wouldn't shock me to see the evolution of that technology, especially with the move to work from home, really grow and change as video becomes a primary source of communication for people across different platforms. So. Um, I think it
0: it may be the way things are trending all right very good uh our next story comes to us from uh, our friends over at av network uh sonova acquires sennheiser's consumer business what happens here is sonova holding uh, ag a German company has picked up sennheiser's consumer electronic business if you're not familiar with the fact that sennheiser had a consumer electronic business that may be why they sold it um that's a little bit of me being snarky um but they did have quite uh the the uh, the consumer business everything from uh, Bluetooth headsets to some of the best headphones that I have ever had in my entire life. Um, yes, Sennheiser is a sponsor of Avi Nation, but it's still some of the best headphones. Momentums are some of the best headphones I've ever had in my entire life. Um, incredibly comfortable and stupid expensive, so yeah. Um, but one of the things that's interesting here is, it, it's an interesting play to me, and Toby, we're gonna start with you on this. From a company that has you know had some, some starts and stops, especially over the last two or three years, when it comes to their commercial line and their integrated systems line to kind of um, divest themselves of a, of, a, of a line that at least from the outside looking in looks pretty profitable, a way that they could you know, kind of funnel some, some profits over here. What is your take on the fact that Sennheiser is kind of dropping the consumer brands and focusing and, and kind of doubling down, uh, to use a gambling term, uh, doubling down on, on, their, consum- on their commercial uh, products?
1: I I will say their 550 wireless headphones are probably one of my favorites as well. They are stupid expensive, but you typically will not buy another pair unless you break them or get them stolen by my 10 year old daughter, like mine did. But that's here nor there.
0: My kids can steal any pair of headphones except for those.
1: Well, yeah, the noise canceling ones, they like it because then they can cancel out what mom and dad want them to do. So that's, I mean, it kind of works, right? Uh, you know, the, the Sennheiser brand is is, is really strong in, in the consumer world and the the commercial world. I probably have a little more experience on that consumer brand because uh, I've got some friends that are part of the audiophile community. And they've had some mixed reviews on it, personally. I'm not really sure what their overall thoughts are on it. My personal opinion is it really will allow that company to kind of dig in, get a little deeper and wider in the R&D side and the commercial side that we've allowed them to really get into the market wider, stronger, better. Some of the products that they've released in the last even year have been really top notch. Their their channel support is fantastic. And them starting to really reinvent that wheel faster and churn that even faster, I think is something that I'm really looking forward to from that company. You know, they, they do that on the, the consumer side today, they have done that consistently. But we've seen a little bit of slower turn and burn on that commercial side. And I'm really excited to see if they can't move some of those resources over and, and get some things to market a lot faster.
0: Right. Mary the same kind of question here you've got, you've got a company that has made you know their one of the first things that Dr. Sennheiser made was headphones, right back in the in the 60s and 70s. So this is very interesting from that aspect that they are kind of getting away from a little bit of their uh, of their history and of their legacy. What is it to Toby's point? What are, what are we going to expect out of them you know coming, coming, coming out of this that maybe they have kind of been a little bit lax on, on some of their engineering and, and some of their uh, advancements.
3: So I'm still a little newer to the AV industry, just a couple years in, and I actually reached out to some of my colleagues and my boss, Brent, uh, to get his opinion, and I didn't know that when Bridges was founded, we were really a Sennheiser shop. We sold all of their stuff, and they were our preferred manufacturer for every single project, um, in and out. But as Shore came to the market and the price points were a little bit more competitive, um, we really kind of changed gears. I know their reputation is solid, and there's no question to the products that they make are really good. Um, but sure being us based, um, kind of took over our business. So I'm wondering if they're going to focus on that kind of competition that maybe has changed some of their commercial business and, and see if they can become more of a presence in the way they were in the past.
0: All right. Very good. Charmaine, uh, last word on this one. What do, what do we make of this, of this? And, and what do we see Sennheiser, you know, pivoting to and, and, and really kind of how, how are they going to use this as as energy and, and fuel moving forward?
2: Yeah, it seems like they're doing this the laser focus really on the commercial, as Toby said before, um, but I'm a little dismayed that they did spin off that consumer uh, piece. And, I'll, and this is what I'll say, because the two S, sure, and Sennheiser, what they both have in common is a lot of history, right, in how they started their innovation. Their products. San has that history, and so does Shure. And Shure still has that consumer piece, right, which gets a lot of traction and sometimes crosses over into the commercial world. Um, and Shure's also making, trying to make that push, right, in the commercial more because they have a strong hold in the consumer. So I think um, it's not a bad idea for you know spinning that off so they can focus. More on the commercial but in the you know that consumer energy helps them also as it does with sure it helps propel them so spinning that off my question to them is going to be all right you spun that off how are you going to keep that energy and propel your commercial stuff now that you're going to dedicate more time you're going to have to redirect that energy as you did with the consumer take that somehow to further propel yourself in the commercial market and and um um, it's gonna be interesting. um, I can't wait to see what happens. they do you know they do have great products, used them a lot for the over ten years throughout various companies. It's just um now that you've done it, what energy you're gonna are you gonna bring to your new Sennheiser commercial self, right? So that's what they have to answer for me
3: uh,
0: absolutely. Um, I, I put a, a link in the chat, and, and Mitchell will put a link on, on the site. Uh, I actually got the chance to, to go to Sennheiser um, about a year and a half ago. The last time I was, I, we you know, Neto Netto and I, Chris Netto, uh, and I did uh, ABM Magazine Awards. And I got the chance to go over there, and I was introduced to something called the HE1 headphones. Now, have any of you heard of the HE1s?
1: Yes. Toby, Toby's awesome.
0: shaking his head. That means you're kind of bougie toby because there's thousand dollar headphones i don't um, own them
1: i've just heard of them there's a difference okay. well
0: i've, I've listened <laughs> to them now because i got to watch a guy make them it's it's a it's a marble base right i mean it's it's ridiculous yeah I was like oh my god it's ridiculous a guy shows up in a limo in this box in a tux and white gloves it to you like like toby like um uh, elon musk has got like two of them right it would be ridiculous but to Charmaine's point, that sort of thing, that that exorbitant, that that let's take this thing out as far as we can go, that does send tend to drive some of the commercial side, right? Nobody in their right mind, at least you know, from a, you know maybe an audiophile, but nobody from a commercial side is really going to buy a sixty thousand dollar pair of headphones. But they might end up buying something that that the technology from that is in there, right? Uh, and so that'll be kind of see how they're able to maybe maybe there's a, an, an agreement where they share technology. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, the HE ones are, are pretty, pretty impressive. So,
1: yeah,
2: I'm glad you said um, you said Basis or Musk. I think Bezos had uh, something like that. Those those fang guys had that thing. That's how I heard of it. Well, so. the guys at
0: sent Sennhe- the, the folks in, in Hanover did they specifically called out Elon Musk as having one. So I, I don't know. He was the most recent one to get a delivery. I don't know.
1: Hey Tim, can we work in a sponsorship for all the four of us today?
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Yes, <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll call up my buddy Charlie. Charlie Jones. He'll get us all four. You know, all four of us. So uh, it was a joke, Charlie. Don't kill me. All right. Last story comes to our from our website. Extron uh, NAV, uh, their their uh, AV over IP system, um, got deployed at the University of North Carolina Wilmington, 145,000 square foot facility. And here's the piece I want to I want to tie in on this. Um, the this allows for obviously the distribution of you know audio and video throughout all the classrooms. This is from um, Rob Mann from um, uh, University of North Carolina Wilmington quote unquote tying the cameras and mics to each room's location system and the distant education control room has proven a major benefit in the age of COVID. One before we get started, Extron is uh, a, a longtime uh, sponsor of, of AV Nation. Uh, I have seen the NAV uh, both in the person and uh, in, in the wild. Um, not I've, seen, I've not seen a lot of deployments, so I was really kind of excited to see this one. Uh, Mariella, where are we when it comes to the state of, of AV over IP? I mean, when it comes to, I mean, we, we got this system here, which 100% is, is looking at, you know, the, the benefits of the age of COVID, distance learning. As education facilities get back to, to classes, uh, one of the things that that folks are talking about is needing to deploy overflow rooms and and you know making sure that if an outbreak does happen, they have the ability to send kit you know students into larger spaces that are more more deployed. Where are we at when it comes to AV over IP uh, in the world of of commercial AV?
3: So I definitely think it's the future. I think most people would agree that's the case. Um, but it's not necessarily brand new. Our, Like I said, Bridges is a small company, but we deployed one of our largest deployments of AV over IP in 2013 um, for the SOC, HHS. And so uh, we probably have a dozen projects that are multimillion dollar projects and they span over so much distance, obviously. They allow people to access these systems and coop spaces and you know, different satellite offices everywhere. So um, especially now that we have during the COVID era, that remote capability under our belt, we really like it in some cases. I think it'll definitely um, be something that spreads like wildfire and will be utilized a lot more as these technologies progress.
0: Charmaine, same question here. You you have designed and deployed a number uh, through barracks, and, and Charmaine, if you're not familiar, also comes from the world of telecommunications and IT. So always getting her, her perspective on this is very interesting to me as well. Take it from both sides of here, right? You you still have a number of, of clients who don't want this stuff on their network, quote unquote, right? You, you've got to deploy an, an, your own entire separate system that, that runs parallel, and but more and more are, are becoming more comfortable with it. So where are we in, in that whole, I guess, race?
2: Oh, the clients are shifting to it now. I mean, they weren't, you're right, before. Um Covid, let's say two or three years before, take it to 2016 uh, or so. They were like, no, we don't know how we feel about this on our network. and da, 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 da. So yes, it was a parallel universe. However, now that they're realizing Covid has made it hard and difficult to have resources, you know, go in to manage these systems, and a lot of the systems are disparate systems, right? They're all speaking differently. They're not speaking to one central point um it's like okay it's time now they know it's time plus they've had the time to put their research and investment in cybersecurity which is the other thing right which is going to make this go much faster av over ip because of all the hackings that we know about everything what people don't know is that many organizations for the last 2 years have been ramping up their cyber and so now they're getting more comfortable with putting things on the network because they have the right solutions in place to protect it. So they're okay with it because they 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 realized you know virtualization is kind of what made them force the hand. You know virtualization was more cost effective, it was cheaper, and in order to achieve that, you know okay we need to ramp up cyber, and allow for our network to be secure. And so now AV over IP. I have customers today are like, okay, we wanna be able to patch into these rooms now. I spoke to, I'll tell you, kid you not, in the last two weeks, there were maybe two clients that for the last three years I've been speaking to about AV AB over IP, and they were so hesitant until now. Now they're like, oh, nope, nope. Yeah, we're ready to go. Let's do it. That's it. I was like, really now? Yeah, yeah, we gotta get this going. I'm like, okay.
0: Toby, that actually brings up a really good point, and and, and you can you can answer the, the where are we question, but I also want to say, you know, does that actually kind of lend itself to to the idea that that we should bring some of these cutting edge technologies to our clients even sooner, right? The, 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 some of the 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 the, the kind of the, the general wisdom is, well, don't you know, don't don't deploy or, or don't suggest you know technology until it's ready, right? Until it's fully baked. Had Charmaine not, right, uh, or had she not thought it was fully baked, taken that to her clients, they wouldn't have known, right, that that was available necessarily. Maybe. I don't, they, they may not have. Uh, I may be just, you know, barking up a wrong tree here. But but is, it, is there some something there that, that maybe we should start providing our clients, you know, more education, you know, whether that's coming back from Infocom this October or, you know, take, you know, at what SDN writes or, or our buddies, at Commercial Integrator or, you know, Brave or you know, Sound of Communications, whoever, you know, this is the latest, greatest, you know, technology, we should all look at that. Or is it just, you know, no, we should wait until it's ready.
1: If you're waiting, you're probably 10 years behind everybody else already. So (laughs) I I truly believe that you should be talking about the new technologies with your clients, you want to be setting yourself up as a trusted advisor and a trusted partner to tell them the good, the bad and, and be super honest with them as things change and evolve. You know, the thing about it is I started my career in IT as well many, many years ago, it seems like, just yesterday, because I love my job. But, you know, when when we first started, we were building 20,000 square foot data centers because that's what we had to have. And, you know, to Charmaine's point, look at the virtualization that's come along with that. The biggest slowdown, and this is going to be probably pretty controversial, in our industry for AV over IP adoption is ourselves. What I mean by that is there's a lot of AV integrators out there that, are afraid to, to, to take that jump. And when they're having conversations with clients, they don't know how to have the IT conversation for you know, the route switch and the VLANs and all the crazy stuff that goes along with it. And recently I had a, a, a meeting with a client, obviously you know who that is today. And uh, one of their biggest things was they, through their interviewing process to try to vet who their partner was gonna be for the next three to five year uh, business plan was how surprised they were. None of them had any IT people on staff. They couldn't speak the language. They didn't understand what they were asking them to do. They're very much still stuck in that. This is a hardware piece. I'm going to put it in your room. It's not going to connect to anything on your network. If it fails, I'm in my own world, and there's nothing that you can point back at me that broke your network. The flip side of that, you know, with my team here at CTI, I would bet you 75% of the job we're doing today are on a customer's network to some degree from a basic management perspective, video, audio, whatever it might be, the more standalone stuff, those are small stuff, small rooms. I think in the next three to five years that if you're not in the 90%, something sitting on the network, you you are drastically behind where the industry is going, where it's driving, where the technology is advancing and probably going to be so far behind, you're not gonna recover from it.
0: Well, let me ask this as as we wrap up here. um... In in you know Mariela and Charmaine, you guys jump on this. Uh, what Toby said there is he he listened right and, and had that conversation, empathetic to what the the customer was was wanting and needing, and kind of almost pulling out of him right and pulling out of Cti and, and not Toby specifically, but you know in in that conversation, Mariela, how how do you have how do you develop that right? How do you Encourage that in, in yourself, in your coworkers, and and you know, developing kind of that not you know empathetic ear necessarily because that sounds a little bit you know, but but the an empathetic you know attitude and development.
3: Yeah, I think you know it starts with a really strong relationship that relies on open communication, really understanding what they want, what they need, and also what they are scared of. Um, Because these solutions are really big, and they're in places where really important meetings are happening with really important people. And when something goes wrong, it can be incredibly scary. Um, And I know you don't want to think of, you know, that high-level executive or that three-star general who's on this meeting or conversation where something goes wrong uh, being scared, but that's definitely what happens. And so I think if you approach it from the knowledge of... um, you know, just being very open about what could go wrong, what could go right, what the platform for success is in the future. Um, You're gonna really get more out of their openness to try new things and and to trust you moving forward.
0: If a four-star general is scared, then I am too. I'm just
2: gonna
0: put it out there. All right, y'all, that'll do it for us. Uh, Charmaine Torella, thank you, ma'am. How do people connect with you or Varex?
2: People can connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, spelling out my name, Charmaine Torella and Varex, uh, I work at Varex as a global managed account, uh, global managed services account manager. Um, and I'm also the chairperson of the Avixa Diversity Council, so you can hop on our page and reach out to me there as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two things about what she just said. First of all, Tom Berry just celebrated 30 years, so congratulations to him over at Varex. Yay, also, Tom,
2: yes. Um,
0: the Diversity Council just put on a really, really impressive um, webinar. Um, I don't know when you can see it in, in replay, I'm sure somewhere, but it was on neurodiversity. Yes, um, sir. And just, just a fascinating and an eye-opening uh, webinar, so go check that out. Uh, so uh, thank you so much, ma'am. Uh, Mariela uh, Palat uh, from Bridges uh, System Integration. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, how do people connect with you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. They can find me on LinkedIn or through the Bridges uh, website. They can find my email and contact information. Um, bridges-si.com, and Mariella Palat, M-A-R-I-E-L-A, P-I-L-O-T-T-E.
0: All right, very good, thank you so much. Mr. Toby Tangle, thank you, sir. Um, I got, I've gotten to know Toby over the last couple of months and, and really enjoyed it, uh, so I wanted to get him on. So thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or CTI?
1: So, uh, for me, it's at Toby Tungle on any social media channel you can find. I'm very active on all of them. I welcome the engagement just to chat AV, whatever you want to talk about. I am a crazy cyclist as well. So if you want to chat about that, please reach out, uh, relative to CTI it's conferencetech.com on all the social channels as well. Top secret fun fact that Tim doesn't know about is I actually, uh, help with the Twitter on that. So let's, uh, let's go have some fun. I still have that on my phone from Infocom. Who gave you that? Hang three on. Three or four years ago. Kathy did. <laughs> <laughs> Top secret, Tim.
0: I'm going to have to have a talk about that. All right. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I, I now work for CTI. I am their CMO. Uh, and the fact I didn't know Toby had the to login is kind of funny. So, yeah. Um, for me, for Avi Nation, I'll go by our website, TV. Don't follow me on the Twitters because I'm still a little gobsmacked on the Bears' uh, first round draft pick. The fact that they continue to pick quarterbacks is just annoying. All right. Uh, Go by the website avianasian.tv. That's avianasian.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, Also, while you're there, check out our sponsors. What we thank them for their support and their uh, help, uh, them helping us give you AV Week and Ricey Week and all the others. A couple really quick things. Uh, Number one, uh, you should go sign up for AV3. Uh, It is a um, All-day webinar series that we're doing with our buddies at uh, SCN uh, and also with Avixa, uh, so one whole day. I don't have how many CTS RUs we're getting yet. Uh, Last time we did this, you got 4.75, so I would imagine somewhere around there. Uh, So Mitchell will put the link to that as well. And in the month of March, we did uh, an entire month of some really, really kick-ass women in AV. Um, It's been really, really well-received. And I'm going to just keep doing it. Uh, it was for um, Women, uh, International Women's Day. Um, and the, the 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 feedback we've gotten uh, and the number of women that have come um, just kind of email and, and this, that, and the other, uh, I'm still getting an introduction to some folks that I have no idea, you know, I didn't know they existed or, or they didn't know I existed. And so we're still getting connections. Uh, so we're going to continue this, right? Uh, I don't know quite what I'm going to call it yet, uh, but we're going to continue to to, to interview and highlight uh, women in the industry. So check that out uh, and look for that over the course of the next coming weeks and months. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week.